What's going on, Commonwealth? And welcome back to another great episode of the Bluegrass Soccer Cast. Your home, of course, for all things soccer right here in the beautiful Commonwealth of Kentucky. I'm Jimmy. That's John. And this week, yes, you your eyes are not deceiving you. I'm wearing glasses for those who are watching uh, this live stream. Uh, I was and always will be a contact guy. Uh, but when you drop your last pair of contacts on the bathroom floor at work, you don't put them back in your eyes. So, uh, it's glasses for a couple weeks with, for me. Uh, John, how are you, sir? I'm good, Jimmy. How are you besides good. messing up your glasses or your contacts? I, I'm swell. Uh, it has been another great week. Uh, for soccer in the Commonwealth and to keep watching and keep reporting on it has been uh, has been amazing. So two questions to start this week for you, John. One, what kind of chips? Always got to ask. There you go. Doritos, Doritos, classic Doritos. Uh, and then well, now, let's do our... Here's my question yeah. for you. Oh, I get the question issue. this week. No, I've ran into this issue with Doritos. Okay. What do you... Because you, you just called those classic. I have ran into people that consider Cool Ranch as the classic original. No, the original is nacho cheese. Like, I'm, I'm quite Thank positive. You. Thank you. To me, that is. <laughs> I've had people swear up and down. It's like, no, it's Cool Ranch. It's the normal flavor. Like, Cool Ranch is not the normal flavor. No. I've, and I mean, without doing the research, obviously, like, I'm pretty sure Cool Ranch came around significantly after i mean doritos probably happened in what the the 80s or so something like that maybe the 90s at like the early 90s and i feel like cool ranch came in definitely late 90s early 2000s so maybe that's what people had at their house so therefore they called it the original flavor but i i really think that um the nacho cheese dorito was the original and i'm really glad people are joining us for six 66 wow 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 well thank you everybody for joining us for chip talk yeah. this week no i'm just kidding Florent came around um, 86 so okay so i was a little off on my timing but still the you know 20 year almost 20 years difference uh john i want to hit you with another one of those random icebreakers i have no idea what it's going to be and i'm going to hit now which superpower do you want? You only get one. See, I hate this question because here's the thing. Good. If you think about it, there's no uh-huh. superhero that exists that just has one superpower. The only ones I can think of are like the X-Men who have like just yeah. their one mutant ability. But there's no like solo hero that's just like one ability because like Spider Man he's got agility depend, webs, depending on Spider Man depending on which Spider Man you do he has web shooters um, some mm-hmm. are natural some aren't that was famously a joke in the new Spider Man movie um, yep the wall crawling super strength all that type of stuff. Superman has like every power under the sun. They just keep throwing. Superman is trash and is overrated. Um, honestly, if I had to pick one like right now that I think actually would be 
pretty dope to have, it would be uh, uh, teleportation. I'll tell. I always go between two. Teleportation is one of them, just because it would just be the ability to instantly get to where I need to, so I could sleep in another two or three minutes, or and still be at work on time. Sleep in. Or, don't have to have a car. Don't have to spend money on right. gas. The 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 other one and the answer that I would give is back to X Men as your example there. Uh, I would do wings like big angel, angel the superhero, uh, angel wings. That would be my one superpower because like the ability to just fly yourself wherever would be amazing. Yeah, but angel can't like hide his wings. <laughs> He's there's just so? there, and his wings are huge. Yeah, I mean just. Yeah, I would be all about it. That would I be feel me. like I in America, up, uh, you get shot out of somewhere. the sky. <laughs> Maybe that's in the, they t- they the new use Marvel a fire version jet. of X-Men. They, they used a fire jet to take out that Chinese spy balloon. They're going <laughs> to... <laughs> They're going to use that, uh, that space laser to come after me, right? Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> thank you for answering the question of the week there, John. Um, and for everyone else at home, we have a stuffed um, episode this week. Uh, we don't really have an off-the-top topic this week because, you know, we took Monday off. And we're just going to take a massive deep dive into the bottom line for this week. And we're going to talk through all of the action from this past weekend and preview everything that's happening this coming week and weekend. And, John, there are some matches happening tonight, Correct. Yes, and luckily because we are east slash central time, they're all happening later. Later, right. Um, Lex will play NoCo tonight mm-hmm. at 9 p.m. At NoCo and Racing will go out, is out in Seattle, playing the OL Rain at, well, sorry, 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. I Central, got and then uh, 10 p.m. Eastern, 9 p.m. <sighs> 10 p.m. Central is when, which I will say that there's times I deal with people that complain Uh like, oh, this is what's wrong with sports is these these 10 o'clock starts on the East Coast. I'm like, that is seven o'clock there. Right. That is literally the optimal time to start. You're saying those fans should like have to to acquiesce match like this one is should like figure out their work day because that's a yeah, 7 p.m. start on the East Coast and 4 p.m. start on the West Coast. That so they just have to like. Right. And then that for soccer, especially, that's playing in the middle of the day. Like, peak yeah. heat. No. No, I'm, I'm not about that life. Um, I, I want the West Coast fans or East Coast fans, no coast fans. Like, you should be able to watch your team in prime time in your, your neighborhood. Right. So the if that's 7 o'clock like on the how... West Coast, let's do it. I like how at least USL does it. It's always 7 p.m. There's occasional yep. the 7.30 kickoff type thing yeah. or maybe a little earlier. They've had some, mid, some mid-afternoon games they did. But typically, on Saturday, they kick off at 7 p.m. local time. So wherever the game is What's happening, time? it's 7 p.m. That Lexington game a couple of weeks ago at Fuego. I guess it was over a month ago at this point. What time was that? I feel like that was... Was it Really? Yeah, that's because Fuego is in Fresno, California. I thought for some reason it was still at like seven Eastern, and it was that's no, why it was so it hot. Was, it was late. 
Or it might have been a little earlier. I just remember being light, like very light when they started. It might have been. A, it was also in the middle of the summer, like yeah, mid July. Good point. Yeah. Uh, so it could have been seven o'clock and still been middle of the day almost. Yeah. Plus the like we are in the like. Well, you're in earlier part of Central Time, like yep. almost the is earliest, in the western part of the East Santa Time. So the sun sets way later than normal mm-hmm. because yeah, my, we're I have set a story to like about New that. York. Yeah, so it's like ma- trying to match that time is really weird, right? So when I was in grad school outside of Chicago, uh, my wife had a friend down in Texas and all the way in like the far, uh, what is that, western side of Texas. And it's the same time zone, but it would be pitch black outside of Chicago. And down there, it would be like moderately lit still. (laughs) Like it wasn't even dark yet. Like it was still very well lit. It was just interesting to see that, but. That's the weirdest thing with like that I don't get about like Chattanooga because Chattanooga is like right on the border. Mm-hmm. And or like E like, Town here is E Town right on the border. Yeah, E Town like the border is. You're coming from Lexington, you hit it before E Town, or if you're going like when we go to Louisville up to Louisville, you cross the time zone uh, after E Town. That's right. I was looking at the trip for y'all, and it's like a straight north shot a little bit, and you go a little, little bit east. And I, and I was like, what are you in a separate time zone? Right. Yeah, so Lexington, Louisville in that eastern time zone, you know, E-Town in central. Um, no, wait, eastern. Yeah, E-Town is in eastern. Yeah, that's what it is. I'm just confusing myself now. Anyways, enough of all of that. Speaking of E-Town, Lexington, Louisville, let's dive into our action from this past weekend. Uh, John, let's go ahead and start with the game we were actually at, uh, where Racing Louisville knocked off the uh, number one seed in all of the NWSL, the Portland Thorns, with a scoreline of 2-1. to one. Uh, This was a fantastic showing by Racing Louisville. Uh, because they were out a lot of their main players. They were down up to eight players from the previous week's match. Uh, and that included stars like Savannah DeMillo, Carson Pickett, and others. Uh, but they were still able to be very competitive. Uh, they were very aggressive. They had way more shots on goal. Uh, and they were the better team that night. And I, I give it to one player. She won player of the match for it, and that's Thimby. She won. She was on fire. Yeah, she was the league player of the night. Yeah, which is sponsored by Bud Light, which I find hilarious (laughs) with all the stuff (laughs) that's happened with Bud Light recently. Granted, the NWSL because women's soccer is very the players are very pro pro LGBTQ, so women's soccer is very much that way. I just I want to know. When did the deal with Bud Light happen? Because the whole timeline <laughs> with the fallout with conservative yeah. people is weird for me. But when did it happen of like, Bud Light's, we're going to sponsor the player yeah. of the week player for the, the NWSL the and then the whole like transgender whatever that caused the fallout for people to literally just chuck their I, Bud Light. 
I think it was just because, you know, Bud Light had like rainbow cans. I don't even think it was a stance really that they had. Yeah. And a bunch of stuff. But anyways, so it it was a magical performance by Racing Louisville. Now, there is one note that I have to put in here as well. Portland was on the last match of a two-week East Coast trip. So this was, I believe, their fourth match in two weeks on the East Coast, third or fourth. Yep, and, yeah, and they were go down for Sophia Smith, who is yeah, the by only the U.S. Player. only U.S. women player to get um, Ballon d'Or nomination, which is Ballon d'Or Femi now nomination. I will say that's the weirdest thing about the Ballon d'Or Femi now is that mm-hmm. um, it has come down to like Alex Morgan and stuff, but a U.S. player has not yet won it. Granted, it's come court kind of towards the end of this, but I was like, mm, eh. is there a little European bias? Because for a while, yes. for those yes, who don't is. know, I do for not a while, please tell me. until about the mid 2000s, no, it was the mid 90s, you had to be a European player to win the To even be considered? Wow. Yes. And then Tim Weah, no, not Tim Weah, George Weah. Tim Weah's dad was the first non-European to win it, the only African player to win it. But that was when the rule changed. You had to be in a be playing in Europe to win the Ballon d'Or, and didn't change until like 2007, 2008 is when it Mm -hmm. became any player ever. And so some people go, "Well, have you ever seen someone in MLS win?" It's like, no, because right when they changed the rule was the Messi Ronaldo dominance, yeah, <laughs> with like sprinkle of Luka Modric's in the middle of all that. Um, that's but, why no so one it, else has won it. <laughs> it. It was a a great result for racing, but there are those two factors that we mentioned: long East Coast trip for Portland, no Sophia Smith. And Portland is also getting ready for uh, the Challenge Cup, right? Like, they are also playing. They're in the, the quarterfinals as well, I believe. Semifinals. So, not not to diminish anything from racing, but those are some facts you have to acknowledge, right? Um, so, John, kind of last my notes here before I, I turn it over to you to talk about your thoughts on the game. Uh, racing Louisville, again, historic victory. First time that they've beaten Portland. First time of beating the number one team in the league. Uh, beautiful goals by Abby Eckert and Thimby um, in the second half, which really fueled them to the home upset. The crowd was great. Um, it was really nice to be there and to feel the energy in the stadium, especially in the second half. You know, the, the start of the game, racing was out there and was killing it. You know, they were getting a lot of chances. Um, but then, you know, Katie Lund had a small mistake, um, and Portland is too good of a team to, to make any kind of mistake against, and they punished it, got that goal, but it was great to see them fight back. Uh, the result did move them temporarily into the playoffs. Um, then, you know, there was a game on Sunday with the OL Reign and Orlando Pride uh, that bumped racing back out to seventh place, um, but they're prime for a playoff position. They are definitely in this fight. John, kind of from what, did, from your perspective, what did you see? Um, I saw a side that we said, and also people on Butchertown, Rundown said, 
needs to show up and yep. show they can attack. And they did. They absolutely yes, did. Yes, and they finally did. This side, they, there was very, and especially those who watched the game, there's very much difference between the first and second half. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, racing dominated the majority of the game. There was just that error by Lund, which some people don't call an error by Lund because she shouldn't have gotten the pet. Yada, yada. But it I've was, seen it that was off her. She yeah. got the pass to her. Yep. She didn't get rid of it. That is on Lund. Whether or not, well, she got, she shouldn't have gotten the pass. That doesn't matter. Right. That doesn't matter. She should be able to, she had mo- plenty of time to get rid of it, in my opinion. Rewatching it. So, um, but anyways, they truly dominated the game offensively. And it was defensively that they really got better in the second half. Um, so it they they're showing this fight, and they've released this from Eckert, uh, this video of like a, it was either a halftime pregame, something like that of Eckersley, like telling them how much, like asking how much do you want it. Mm-hmm. I heard about like, it. I haven't seen it yet. Um, it's on their Twitter. Like, how much do you want the uh, want to win? How many more games do you want to play? She said this in the post-match interview as well. Like, how many more games do you want to play? Do you want to be packing up at the end of the season, or do you want to be playing more games? And they seem to be responding well. And I think this, just from this match, missing those key players, it's going to be interesting to see how they respond to this, how Coach Kim responds to this, because they played very well. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying this is going to happen. Does Dembillo and Pickett have more of a reduced role because of how well yeah. they play? Now they're going to miss Shang because he got called up for the Asian yep. Cup, which what you're playing the Asian <laughs> Cup in not the, even a month. It hasn't been a month. It has not no. been a month since the World Cup ended. What are you doing, Asia? I digress. Well, I wonder um, if it was something like, you know how the Gold Cup, they do two of them, and if two different countries win them, then you know they face off to see who gets the, the auto bid or something. I thought it was something like that, maybe. That might be it. I didn't look into it. I just saw that she was up for it because there there is some games coming this month. But I think yeah, the NWSL South Africa, is taking US, like an international break. It's like a, it's yeah. like those two, it's like those random one-off weeks of international friendlies where they play like two games in a week, and the league, like the Premier League, it does this too. They'll take like a, just a week yeah. off for it. It's not any anything big. Um, that could be what it is, but. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, te- like I said, Team USA is playing South Africa. And at least twice, uh, I feel like they yeah, played they them on back to back games, something like that. That I don't agree with. I, I get yeah, it that's for a bit odd and travel reasons, but like, you, there's no need you to play back to Like, could you play USA Canada or USA Mexico, Maybe. USA Cuba? Uh, you know, just that's typically like that. that's what we see the US do. They'll play like one European team and then they'll play like a Central American team or something like that. Yeah. That's who they're playing. They're when the men do that, right? They're playing to playing. Yeah, like, they're playing. Your uh, 
Uganda. Yeah. And I can't remember who they I know they play Ghana in November. That might um, be it. We can look it up here in a second. But, uh, John, you brought up a really good point there, and that was something that I meant to mention, but I forgot. Uh, what is Savannah DeMillo's role? What is Carson Pickett's role? Two t- players who have both played for Team USA, what is their role in racing Louisville right now? Because it seems the team might be better when they don't start and or play. Because you go back to that run during the Challenge Cup, uh, yes, Carson Pickett was there, but DeMillo wasn't. Uh, and that was probably the best soccer we've seen from racing all year. Um, I don't know about that. Um, solely because, one, every team was depleted of their World Cup stars. Pickett did play well. Kind of. I mean, not nearly as much as racing Louisville. Um, like in they were the losing one Cup. or two people. In the Challenge Cup. Um, so, and like you said, Portland was on this road trip, um, and was missing their star. Like they had just lost Sophia Smith in the previous match. So I think we'll see how, um, this, this game goes for the challenge cup, but I'm also curious if coach Kim is fully committing to the challenge cup. Or is he all in on the playoff? <coughs> I don't see him not yeah, going all in. But could, he, choose. could he be choosing to play picket for the Challenge Cup and then the Mellow on Saturday or something along the lines? Like, it's not full-on breasting Thembi and all that type of stuff, but maybe one or two people. This is where you bring in an academy player or that sort of thing. So, question about and sorry, I'm I'm getting a bit jumbled in my my brain over here. So it is the U.S. women's team does play South Africa twice, September 21st, and then again September 24th. Don't remember the two locations. I know one is Chicago, but I can't remember the other. Um, so in that, um, Kanu is she, she was on the roster for South Africa, um, but I haven't seen anything. Of, yeah. Isn't that MB. who plays for South Africa? MB. MB? Oh. Kanu plays for Nigeria. Nigeria. Never mind. My apologies. Uh, but I haven't seen Thimby, like I haven't heard anything from racing that says that she's out on, on leave. That I don't think they'll start though if they're not playing. If they're not playing for like 15 days. Uh, good point, I guess. Yeah, that would be a long camp. Yeah, um, and then not... the USA plays Uzbekistan. That's, That's who it was. And Omen in September. And then I know they play two more in October. Uh, the one in Nashville is Ghana. And I can't remember who the other one was. What you gonna do when Team USA runs all over you? Uh, well, Hulk Hogan. should run all over those teams. <laughs> we should. But. Um, so any, anyways there, John. Uh, with Racing Louisville. A good performance on Saturday. I had a great time. Um, what was it like for you, John? You know, your first kind of media side of things at uh, Lynn Family Stadium. What was that experience like for you? It was nice. It was a very nice stadium. Uh, it's very interesting how the seating is set up there. Um, 
because on the outside it looks like a big stadium because a lot of stadiums mm-hmm. you enter mid level and it's like because it's like dug down, but they're and you see this on TV, their lower level seating is not big in terms of like mm-hmm. how much it is. It's like maybe five, six rows. Um, but then the rest of it is like it's really good. I would say the one bad thing I've heard this is the sun because it's literally sets into the stadium. <laughs> yeah. It looks nice on TV and it's pretty nice from the press box, but you know, for uh, our producer, our photographer, um, <laughs> I feel bad for you, man. Uh, thanks for all your great photos. Appreciate your work. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so um, it was a good showing. Some note of, thing uh kimball jackson who got his first league uh usl league one debut playing time and the greenville match is now in the starting 11 for tonight oh that's because i I think that's to offset Tariq muhammad who's out due to yellow card accumulation well, we'll pick up on that here in just a second, especially before they kick off here in the next 30 minutes or so. I want to do a, uh, a preview of Racing Louisville again tonight at 10 o'clock Eastern, 9 o'clock Central. Uh, they head to Seattle to play the OL Reign in the Challenge Cup semifinals. Um, Louisville enters with a really good chance um, to make another upset of a team from the Northwest. Um, had to really think about it for a second. Um, after beating Portland over the last weekend, but I really think that they have a great opportunity and they've got some momentum here to beat the rain again, uh, or for the first time, I should say this season after drawing with them earlier in the season, um, with the win, they would move into the challenge cup final, obviously for the first time in club history. And I, I think they're going to do it. I'm going to go racing Louisville to rain one. I think we got it in the bag this time. Let's go get ready for a championship game, maybe at home. And I am kind of agreeing with you on that. Um, uh, last I checked. I think they're the four seed. It wouldn't be at home. Yeah. Um, no, they. it's highly unlikely. I think it's at home. But um, the uh, OL Reign did win in their last match on Sunday. But I think that turnaround is too much for them mm-hmm. because that's literally two days. Yep. Um, and I think I don't know the racing's crew has told us they weren't allowed to practice on Sunday because of the Challenge Cup. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious to if that was just because the OL were playing a game on Sunday that they weren't allowed to practice Sunday. That almost feels like an advantage, right? I don't know necessarily how that works. Or did the OL have to take Monday off? And then Uh, I'm sure they did, irregardless if they wanted to or not. Yeah, so we'll we'll see what it is. I just don't think with such a quick turnaround that they're going to uh, really do it. The racing will pull it off, I think. Now, if the game, uh, I wrote about this. So very interestingly, in the semifinals and in the final of the Challenge Cup, uh, it's the same 
like overtime rules that we had in the League's Cup where there's <coughs> no extra time. We're jumping straight to PKs. So I think if it gets to Which PKs. Yeah, but at least like, I understand one, it's not traditional. One but, half of extra time. At least do one half of extra time. That's just me. I the, the going straight to PKs I find really weird. I get it. I agree with you, but, but like it, it's more palatable to Americans. I feel like at least on TV, well, yeah, to go straight to palatable. PKs. It's more palatable to Americans. Americans, there was straight comments on Lexington's first home game, which they drawed zero zero to Madison when they posted the final score and people were like, why didn't you go to PKs? Why no PKs? Like, Oh gosh. Because you don't, it's not every match. game is win or lose. Inside. Yes. And you, that Sometimes proves you, you don't even all. watch the world cup. You only watch like the knockout right. stage of the world cup or the highlights or something. Yeah. Anyway. So we're both picking uh racing for the victory. Yes. Yep. Perfect. So we again we appreciate all the folks who work for Racing Louisville and for uh, getting us into the stadium and stuff like that. I really appreciate all of that. Um, it was a, a really good time, and we look forward to going back again. Mm-hmm. But John, let's head over to Lexington uh, from last Friday night, uh, where those pesky Greenville Triumph stole a victory from the Lexington Sporting Club in drawing 1-1 in heartbreaking fashion. Uh, Lexington Sporting Club conceded a goal in stoppage time to Greenville. It was the 97th minute, I think, or something like that. Uh, And, John, you were right there in front of the goal scorer. Talk to us about what happened there. You mean when he was celebrating? Yeah. He was was doing... Listen, I'm okay with those <laughs> celebrations all honesty it's it was right in your face yeah and it took some willpower not to like say anything <laughs> and do anything but like i get it but i would do the same thing to an away fans <laughs> that you literally just silenced granted we were already silent because we at least the railroads we like to keep quiet on opposite team set pieces so the guys can hear each other we're like night can clearly communicate with the team and stuff we're not like drumming and all that stuff <laughs> i would be yeah i'd be all kind of, especially with that corner kick right in front of you all oh, i'd have been like well, we do that we I do that for the whole stadium going. we do that for lex teams um I can talk with Stockley if he wants us to start doing that for away teams. I just don't want to pump them up. Because the guys say that pumps them. But I don't want them to go like, oh, okay. <laughs> All uh, right. That's fair then. That's fair. But it happens. Uh, it They're not the first team to do it. They won't be the last. Uh, right. The guy came flying in. Uh, Greenville's keeper kind of made it difficult, for, I believe, for Knight to – Make the save. Now I'm telling you right now, yep. people, he's still got team of the week. And that just proves uh Knight got the starting keeper. Thank you. I was like, who, who uh, got it? And that just proves like how hard some shots are to stop. 
in this yeah. run, Knight, Knight I mean, has that, gone that three been a matches. World class save. Knight has gone three matches, only allowing two goals. Both mm-hmm. goals being hard, <clears throat> next to impossible to stop goals. That just happens, people. It's not on anybody's part. It's on the defense. There's sometimes people just make a good goal. That guy came streaking in. It had been really hard for anyone to stop him if he got his head on the ball. It really would only yeah. been on him to have his head at a weird angle or something. But that happens. And it, like, yes, is it disappointing? Is it a gut punch? Yes. But it's not, like, the player's or anybody's fault that it happened. That, that Lexington played really well. If anything, you can put a little bit on the rest because there was, in my opinion, there was not seven minutes of stoppage time in the second half. Uh, With the goal scored and stuff like that? Yeah. I I don't see see there were seven minutes. And I also, at the start of that, of stoppage time, uh, Tate Tate got hurt or came out of the game or something like that. That took about a good two minutes away, and they did not add that on. Tate Robertson, the goal scorer from the 49th minute. The world-class goal scorer, which I I believe he was trying to cross it. but (laughs) Oh, he definitely was trying to cross it. Like, from sitting on my couch and watching it, it looked like he was definitely trying to cross it, and boom, it went in. Oops. Um, Uh, But, you know, Greenville really applied a lot of high pressure on um, Lexington, especially in the second half taking 11 shots for those on target, but the defense held tight, right? You know, yes. Emil Knight played great. Uh, you know, that last moment without being an outstanding performance by Greenville. God, I can't believe I just said that sentence. Can I take it back? Can we Can we wind that back? Cut that part out? <laughs> Eat crow, Greenville. Um, literally... The thing is with Greenville, and I, a lot of people said this. They're trash. That um, some people try to say Lex was like parking the bus, and no, they were not. At least from what I was saying, because Greenville maybe really late. Late, maybe. Low, late they maybe were, late. but that's because they had they were, yeah they were tired and stuff, and, and they were up. When so. you hit stoppage time like that, yeah, you try to go for a goal, but you're more like we need to prevent the goal at this point and trying right. to get a second. Right. Um, but for Greenville is a heavy counterattacking side. So you can't just do an all-out attack when you're up no. one goal because they hate that's what they want you to do. Any side that plays their primary attack is counterattacking. They are wanting you to go all in. They are baiting you to do that. And then they're going to attack. And that's kind of why Lexington didn't weren't as aggressive when Greenville had the ball. Because Greenville's not good at essentially controlling the ball. They're quick. Mm-hmm. If you slow down their attack, they have nothing. Right. So that's that's just how it is. And my it's what like what's the struggles I've realized with a first year club is just the amount of people that don't understand stuff and think it's like so straightforward. Like the people deal with soccer fans deal with this all the time. Like people think it's so easy to score a goal. Like it <laughs> oh look at how big the net is. It. 
like it's not as simple as it looks, especially like you do your foot is a little off. It could change where it goes. And that's with no one around you. Like if you're just trying to take a PK and you miss hit it, you're not hitting that giant yeah. net. You know, like it, it's not and as a, easy as you might think. And a proper keeper mm-hmm. it can cover the entire net basically if they yeah. want it to. And Emil Knight not, is that kind of keeper. Yeah. It's not like hard. To, it's not like in, virtually impossible for a person to cover the whole net. It's right. not. So. So it, it was a great performance by Knight. You know, again, that last moment, not, not standing. Um, Coach Stockley was furious with the referee. I'm sorry. What would you say? Sorry, John. It was a great performance by everyone. We've seen this with... Everything the league has put out, everything other people have put out, Lexington has moved up because Greenville mm-hmm. was is a playoff side and yep. all that jazz. Like this is not drawing to Fuego. Oh dear God! Don't even say it. You know what I mean? This is not drawing yep. to Chattanooga. This oh is dear God! No, nearly, nearly don't winning, but having just a goal at the end, bring it to a draw against a playoff team that's one of the more historically good teams in the league. Like, Greenville has a star. They have won the league. Somehow. Somehow they must have been playing against a bunch of plumbers and somehow lucked into a a star. Uh, So it's just... I'm waiting for the hate. Like, I, I, I have been trashing on Greenville for, like, a whole season. And I, I don't think nothing. a Greenville player, Greenville fan Greenville. is going to be like, well, I wonder what this Kentucky-based podcast that only talks about Kentucky soccer is going to talk say about us. Greenville doesn't have fans as far as I'm concerned. Close the franchise. Move it somewhere else. They got, they got one particular Change the colors. who works for the side on, who's active on Twitter named Geo, who's a crazy man Geo. himself. Change your, uh, tell your club to change their name and move. No, Triumph somewhere to, else. We need to tell Gio that he need, needs to take some of his controversial opinions and be quiet. Yeah. He, he recently take talked, tweeted out um, like he doesn't like mac and cheese or like any pasta. The hell is wrong with you, exactly. Gio? Pasta Which is I will life, say that bro. is the dumbest. That is like the dumbest thing I've seen with supporter groups will do during a match week is like Omaha did this. They're like fried and fried chicken's not good. And like (laughs) Omaha parliament was like, listen, listen, I understand, you know, I get it. But at the same time, you sound like a crazy person. I can enter this game and I can end this game. Hey, Greenville fried green tomatoes overrated. Is that a Greenville thing? I don't know. It just feels very South Carolina. Here's another one. Pimento cheese. It's pretty good. Yeah, I like pimento cheese. I don't like it. Oh, you heard it. John said pimento cheese. My overrated. wife is obsessed with it. I didn't say it was overrated. I just said I don't like it. My wife is obsessed with it. I heard it. <laughs> we can clip it to say where you said it was overrated. <laughs> Anyways, speaking of being furious... Um, Coach Stockley was quite peeved at the officials at the end of the game, um, having what seemed like, at least on TV, a very heated exchange after the final whistle. Um, 
did you see anything from it, John? You know, there were some questionable fouls and cards that were issued throughout the game. What was Coach so from what, talking what about? What I was seeing, I don't know what he was talking about. His back was to me when he was doing talking with the rest. So I can I could tell that he was having a conversation, but couldn't tell exactly what he was doing. Um, but to me, that this ref called very much based on possession. So there's a weird thing in soccer. Uh, it's kind of going away, but it's still around sometimes. And this is especially if you watch like old 1980s soccer or even yeah. like 70s soccer. If the team if the team gets fouled, but they keep possession, it's no foul. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, you still have the ball. It's fine. Move on. Keep going. And that's very much how this felt like. It was like. There was literally a. I tried to find it for my write up, but I couldn't find the exact timestamp. But there was a run that Khalid made late where he literally had a player like grabbing onto him. But because he's just so big and had kind of more the extra step, he wasn't losing the ball. But he was very much struggling to move forward because of this player. Like that is a foul. He's like impeding his movement, and it's not shoulder to shoulder. You can see his arms, but she's yeah, like, "No, no foul. Cool. Keep going." And that's—I don't agree with that, um, because I just don't think that's it. Like, oh, you keep possession, or you're keeping control of the ball. No foul. Like that's stupid. It's very much a foul. Let it call yeah. a foul. If it's like close, I get it. But if there's like legit fouls, you should call them. Yes, I, I agree. And then from watching it on TV, there were a couple of those incidences. And I think even the very last play for Lexington um, was like that kick out of bounds that would have been a throw in, but the whistle was blown. Uh, had a little bit of that to it. It, it was kind of strange. It reminded me of um another nah i'll save that for another show i have a hot take about pele but we'll get there on another episode um it it looked like an older version of the sport it did not have the same impact as you would see today where you know Messi or whoever gets a little tap and bleep yellow card or something like that so funny enough about pele the reason pele was so good is because when he grew up playing playing soccer um brazil was still racist and so there was literally rules where they're like yeah black players can play you don't get fouls called on you so you could literally basically swing your elbow into an uh, afro brazilian no call foul but if they did it back it's a foul so that's why like Gernacho, Gernacho and pele we're so good with the ball, and that's where we get this more Brazilian, like they're really good with the ball, because they had to be. They had to be, because they were going to get pushed, shoved, cleated, all of it, just because of the racism that existed. I mean, it's a terrible story. Um, told well, oh, but totally terrible, terrible that, it had that, like, that it was that way. That's why, like... Um, I forget what they're called, but like Brazilian Brazil poverty is where like fifty percent of Brazilian soccer players or those who play mm-hmm. for the national team come from. They come from like the slums, poor, poor. This would be like them coming from like deep in Appalachia, 
like a large majority of like American players coming from like, like they came from Middlesbrough or something like that or inner cities like stricken poverty type stuff which can't happen in America would pay the play but oh, yeah. that's why it's like it's like an unbalanced amount come from these areas and it's be- so, well it's because of uh it creates uh imagination like they have to learn to be good so here's my hot take on pele right like yeah he was good great story love it glad he came to america and played for the new york cosmos when he did but let's also be honest like most of the people that he was playing against were like plumbers carpenters bankers like they they weren't world class athletes like we have today. You put him out there today. You know who Pele is in today's game? Terry Henry. That's not a knock. Terry Henry is one of the better players of this generation. Better, not greatest of all time though. Nobody is going to say Terry Henry is the greatest player of all time. And if you do, you're wrong because <laughs> it's messy, and I don't want to hear it. Well, yeah, I don't think he. I think it's just so different. The game has changed so much. Like if you gen, like look at the the Cruyff turn in the seventies was like, oh my gosh. But if you actually look at the Cruyff turn, if a kid spends enough time on it, a seven year old could do the Cruyff turn. Yeah, it's not that complicated, right? But it was like, oh my gosh, when he put, did it in like the seventy two World Cup. Yeah. Um. And we have somebody else entering here. No, CR7, you is not the GOAT. Nope, not at all. Uh-uh. He, he is not as good as Messi. He's not as good as um, Zlatan, even. Um, oh, so okay, okay. We're talking about third Ronaldo best. Ronaldo is better than Zlatan. How? Does Zlatan have a Champions League or any major trophy? How many did he like? But how many chances did he really have? He played at PSG. He was okay. In it's the not Champions like Champions he... League every year. He played at Milan. He played at Manchester United. He played at Barca with Messi. He played at Inter when Mourinho was there. Zlatan had the chances. Especially with PSG, right? Like, with PSG, how many championships did even Messi, was he able to deliver to PSG? Messi was only at PSG for a year. He was only there for a year? I thought it was like two or three. It was like a year and a half. Okay, thank you. Um, But that's... um, They they made... I believe they made the Champions League semifinal. But I also See? believe PSG is cursed. So, okay. So Zlatan, if you had put him on Manchester United, Manchester City, uh, Everton, played on uh, Manchester Fullerton, United. but not like with like the full complement. You know, back in like the early two thousands when they were rolling, right? Like, yeah, they're winning the championship. He didn't have the team around him, and yet he was still so successful. We are getting way off topic here, and I'm going to pull us back. This is a whole episode. Who is the greatest of all time? Uh, we'll do that sometime this winter. But pulling it back to Lexington, John, uh, they are 
what, 15 minutes or so from kickoff um, mm-hmm. with their next matchup, which is at Northern Colorado. Uh, and John, Northern Colorado's got to have revenge on the mind after what happened a few weeks ago up there where Lexington took the 4-3 to three victory. Yes, that NoCo definitely has revenge on their mind. NoCo is in better form. Yep. In the last time they faced um, it, this is going to be a very interesting matchup because we're getting down the stretch and NoCo has stumbled, yes, and they've kind of recovered as of late, but Lexington is much better. Uh, they are way better. They only have like two losses over seven or eight matches. Um, they're firing all cylinders. I am curious to because Noko's offense has slumped a little bit. Their defense has gotten a little streaky. I am curious, but Lex offense has also yeah, they've split. been very streaky as well. Um, so I'm very curious to how this goes because it's a midweek matchup, mm-hmm. and I, I was attempting to watch Omaha North Carolina, which Omaha is going for the uh, USL one record for seven straight wins. They are currently tied with North Carolina 1-1. They had scored the opener and then a minute later gave up the equalizer to North Carolina. Midweek games are weird. Yep. They're they are. very, very weird. And, um, and so I think we'll this see. gets to the, the heart of what I think is going to happen tonight. I think Northern Colorado, their offense has been, like you said, John, very streaky. And I think Lexington is going to come back up there and play with their hair on fire because what does they what do they have to lose right like with the uh, the draw with Greenville like I think Lexington you can officially put your dreams of making the playoffs in your first year you can put that behind you it's not going to happen mathematically it may technically still be possible but it's not going to happen so now it's time to go out and you have no pressure to play with like there is nobody that you have to to beat. There's no result you have to get. Now you're just playing for yourself and for pride. And I think Lexington is going to come out there with their hair on fire. Coach Stockley is going to be getting the guys to prove that what happened a few weeks ago is no fluke. They've got the bones to be a playoff team. They've got what it takes to beat playoff teams. Like we just, what they basically did with Greenville. You know, and then they just let in a, a goofy one late. I think I think Lexington's going in. I think they're going to walk out with another victory from Northern Colorado. I can see that, especially with the youth owns Colorado. Yes, um, he yes, scored, he does. He has scored five official. He has scored seven. He has put the ball in the back of net seven times against Noco. F- officially five, but he has physically put the ball in seven. He had the uh, offside game winner. Back in early June, uh, mm-hmm. called off for being offsides, and then he had that weird handball goal, which Tate, Matt Tate, being man he was, got it back for us. But he had that handball goal that was called back for some reason in the comeback win. So it would be very interesting. I I think also. They're playing more defensive because, at least from the lineup they released, it looks like they're going back to a four-four-two. Um, and I think Good that spot. was because we've we've lost Mohammed. Now, 
I cannot. We could still be doing a three-five-two because I don't really know how Jackson does, um, how well Jackson plays fully in his style. I'm not saying how well he plays uh, in his style because he Jack. Now, granted, Jackson's not coming into this with barely any game experience. He does play for the academy side, the U23 side. He does get like game action. Granted, that's against younger people and less top level, but he still is getting action. So we'll see. Is he like Mohammed? I hope so. Um, if not, it's okay. He is playing out on the, he is playing as a uh, fullback uh, or wing back uh, opposite of green where typically Mohammed plays. So they could still be keeping their 3-5-2. I need to see how it goes, but it looks like a 4-4-2. So we'll see. Well, and, you know, when you look at Jackson, you look at a lot of the younger, they're older, but they're still youth players, right? I really hope that they are getting the time in training and they got time in League 2 or wherever they were playing to really develop because they've got talent coming up, right? Like, Jackson's pretty good from all accounts, right? So I just hope that they're getting the opportunity to play at high level uh, competition Wait. and in high level positions to get ready for this kind of situation. Sorry. Jackson's really good. We saw him go toe to toe with Lou City in the Open Cup. Yep. Granted, it played Lou well. Wasn't necessarily putting in their entire like full fledged lineup, but they were still, that's still like championship level players mm-hmm. for a 18 year old at the time. He's 19 yep. now. Um, we'll, it's, I'm curious to see if we'll see Josh head in either of these two matchups. Uh, we've only really seen Diallo, but I think he appeared. Yeah. He appeared in the first game against Knox at the very end, like the first game of the season. I don't think we've seen him since. Um, and they're really the young guys. The other one is Luke Phillips, which will be curious. How he does, he's a keeper though. So goalkeepers are really weird on how you handle a young keeper. Like it's really weird on how you handle them. So that's why like keeper is much older when they like solidify themselves as a starter. Just because yeah. it's so hard to Well, and there's usually in. an incumbent, you know, you're very rarely coming into a situation where you're the guy, you know, especially yeah. at a young age. Well in that then th- that and then keeper is like the most, I would say the most um, superstitious position for coaches. Mm-hmm. Like he's playing solid. He's letting one or two goals. Let's see if we can so like tweak some goal. other stuff before we tweak the keeper situation. Like I feel like keeper is like it truly has to be bad goalkeeping or it has to be. I have tried everything else. Multiple mistakes. Yeah, I have. Yeah. It's either multiple mistakes or I've tried everything else. Like either, because there, it's, it's going to be hard for me to like decide to change. So I'm I'm taking them for the win. John, are you taking Lexington tonight for the victory as well? I'm. Yes, I am. I'm thinking, uh, especially because Trevor Amon already finally set the record. For or broke the record for USL League One goal scored in a season. I think that takes some pressure off of him a little bit, and it might be like he might start 
distributing goals more. We'll see. Um, and also, I think Knight is out to prove something because mm-hmm. he played a little shaky last time against Noko. Um, I'm thinking 2-1, Lex. 3-0. I'm going blowout. I don't think it's. I don't think it's going to be close. I'm going blow out. Don't take my advice to the casino, please. Do not. Uh, you all know my track record. But this is not the only matchup for Lexington this weekend um, or this week, because they also then head out to the Central Valley to take on Fuego again. Yep, um, and that's on again Sunday night. Yep, Sunday night, ten o'clock um, kickoff. Um, so another late night matchup from, for Lexington. Not as bad here in the central time zone, but still pretty late. Um, especially because Sunday is the first day of the NFL season as well. So be very curious to see yeah, ratings. But, that, but I know that's just none of that perfect. That's just perfect because 10 o'clock is, should be the time Sunday night football is ending ish. True. True. So very true. Um, so I John, don't care. Well, my playing tomorrow. Oh, that's right. The Detroit Lions kick off the season at the Kansas City Chiefs. Hmm. Put the whole league on those. Another podcast. (laughs) Because I could really dive in. We could break that one down probably better than how I break down most of the soccer matches, if I'm being honest. Um, But, John, I'm just going to put this out here. Point blank, period. I expect Lexington to win that game. No ifs, ands, ors, or buts about it. I don't want to hear anything about, oh, well, they're resting, blah, blah, blah. I don't want to hear it. Uh, Fuego's best player is off in college. He's not playing with the team right now, I believe, unless something has changed. Um, Fuego is still at the bottom of the table with them. Coach Stockley, your boys need to, to get it together and go in there and knock them off. I think they should win. I want to see them win like four or five to zero because I think Fuego is that bad. Um, I will go a little more conservative and I'll say two zero um, for that one. John, how do you see this matchup with Fuego going for Lexington? Um, like you said, I think they should definitely they should dominate this. They dominated the last matchup. They let in two yep. goals late, but they have still a very dominant performance. Um, I can see it like 3-1 mm. sort of range um, for Lexington for that. I definitely expect to see Josh Head appear, uh, make an appearance in that game because uh, he got taken now on the road trip. He's officially in the 18 for uh, NOCO, so I would – that you know he's with the team at least for the road trip, so I hope he is uh in there for the this matchup. Um, I'm just I'd be very curious uh, of how it goes. Uh, Lexington has fully separated themselves from Fuego. Yes, yes, they are still ninth Lexington fans, but that's just because there was like these weird gaps in the table for a while and Lexington has moved itself closer to the top and separated itself from the bottom too. Yeah, so and, and they've got to keep 
showing that that difference, right? Because if you don't, and you know things go square, or I'm sorry, go sideways again, it's going to be very difficult for me to continue to believe that this team has potential. Again, I I know there's nothing happening this year. No shot they make the playoffs this year, but for future years, this is a building game. Like it sounds so simple. Like this is another bottom feeder team in the league. Like they should be dominant in this game, but this is such a huge building block for next year. If you can already establish yourself as better than them, you're going to put yourself in a good position for next year. True. And we will see because the league is weird. Like the kickers and Red Wolves both had really good seasons last year and they are below Lex right now. And they're True. very much different teams. So we will see. Yeah. And every um, time we play uh, Richmond, it seems like they play their best game of the year. Strange. Well, the first time we played Richmond, Richmond was actually good. <laughs> um, so uh, we'll see. Um, but yeah, they should definitely. They need to win that. They need to. They need to have positive results these next two matches. I would be fine with a draw tonight and a win on Sunday. But it needs to be like agree. a win draw situation. If yeah, they win no against Noco, I will personally like. I will take a draw against Fuego if we beat Noco. But it should be like best case scenario, in my opinion, or most realistic is a is a draw and a win over this week. Yeah, for I, Alex, I agree with you. I think I think that, that's the realistic one. But I can see them winning both. Yeah, I can see it being them winning both. I can see them drawing one of them. Uh, maybe they draw tonight. Who knows? We'll have to see. But I. I think you have to walk out of this weekend with four points just to continue to build momentum for next year. Exactly. But that game is now set to kick off in any moment now. Um, well, we still have a lot of show to go. So, John, with... Um, oh, we still have... We haven't talked about Lou City yet. Oh, my. I was getting Not ready to, to close out and, and talk about our college teams. Um Speaking of playing out in Colorado, um, Lou City just played there this past weekend uh, where they played the Colorado Switchbacks to a thrilling uh, 3-2 to two victory um, for Which Lou I will City. say, yes? the Switchbacks' name is Alphabet Soup, but they do got a nice, <laughs> they do got nice kits. Uh, they do, and Those that stadium is very black nice. black kits were very nice. And no, I don't hate Lou City. Stop. <laughs> I just forgot. because So in my order that I had it, I had left them at the top, and then I had scrolled down and had just forgot to go back to the top. But uh, Lou City, y'all know, much love. Um, it was a great road win for um, Lou City. Great to see them hang on to it. You know, they, they really kind of, they got up three to one, um, Colorado Springs got that um, late goal to get in back into the match at three to two, and Lou City just had to hang on for dear life. Um, Lou City Academy prospect um, Carlos uh, Miguel Jr. Uh, registered his first assist with a club, um, setting up a goal for uh, Gonzalez, 
and uh, Winder. Uh, so it was good to see the young kid getting in there and producing so well. Uh, they really bounced back from uh, conceding that late goal in their last match to uh, really show how much grit they have and, and resilience that they possess. Uh, the victory continues Loose City's strong recent performance, uh, taking them, or sorry, taking points in six out of the last seven matchups, pushing them even more solidly into fourth place in the playoff standings. Uh, and playing at altitude, John, that's nothing. Have you ever been to, to Colorado or Denver or anything like that? I guess Denver is in Colorado, so I should have said another state like Wyoming or something like that. I have been west of the mississippi like one time and i was like two wow so i do not remember it well th- the altitude is nothing to to mess with i went there for a conference to denver and wound up getting altitude sickness and i it was not fun um but playing at altitude has a big impact on you know kind of how the ball feels it's kind of like baseball right like the colorado rockies more people hit home runs in their ballpark than in any others because the ball is lighter, the air is lighter, it travels further. So I really want to praise uh, Simile from in that match because he had five saves um, in that matchup. Yes, he let in two, but Colorado Springs was really pushing him for a lot of the match, um, and especially there were a couple of uh, periods where it was uh, they had a couple of consecutive opportunities in a row, and it was really good to see him show up and keep uh, the score as low as he could. Uh, uh, the he win played well. Um, it's also with Winder and the and uh, I forget his name, the academy player. Uh, it's Mc- very Monagle. Yeah, Monagle. It's very nice to see because it's the issue when Lou was struggling was people were saying they were relying too heavy on bets. And yep. it's very good to see that the young talent Cruz is bringing in or it put, it seems to be putting more uh, pressure on are and, stepping up to that challenge and, and delivering. And Martin, uh, Martin he was uh, better. Um, he looked more confident in that match. Um, you know, again, I said the, the win keeps seven in a, in a row or six out of seven with points with seven games remaining. Momentum seems to be shifting back to the Loose City sideline. Um, Coach Cruz really praised his team um, for their fight and their mentality for the 90-plus minutes. Um, and he talked a lot about how maintaining that mentality is going to be key moving forward. So, John, for me, overall, it was a really good performance by Loose City, securing three road points against a team that has playoff uh, implications for themselves. And it really just showed the, the quality that Lou City has. What did you see um, from that match? From what I saw, it was Lou City. Dom- this is very similar to the Lexington Fuego match. Lou City dominated. The switchbacks were just kind of off, off foot the whole time. Yes, they got in two goals, but they were kind of meaningless because Lou was still dominant. This is one of the games where that like Lucity is dominant offensively. Yep. Very much controlling the game. And Colorado just had the right counterattacks. Like two good counterattacks, two good moments and they capitalized on it. That 
that's why it was so close. But the ga- uh, the game was not as close as the scoreboard shows. Right. It, it was a much more dominant performance by Lou City uh, than what the scoreline suggests, like John just said. Um, so, John, now moving to this weekend where Lou City has a critical playoff matchup versus it's a two versus four matchup uh, right now in the standings as they travel down to Tampa to take on the Rowdies and what should be one of, if not the game of the year in the USL champion. Uh, When you're kind of looking at this matchup and you're looking at how both teams are entering, both teams got a little bit of momentum coming in. Um, trying to find the table, or I'm sorry, the yeah, Tampa. There have some, well, I don't think Tampa Bay has that much momentum coming in because they did just barely beat a Hartford side that was depleted of most of their team because oh, of COVID. Right. Yeah, um, they barely beat them, and they are currently in Memphis. Tied one one. They just started the second half, so mm. Lucy is probably sitting watching this game. So Tampa Bay is coming into Tampa uh, after playing a midweek match. So it's there's they're both basically traveling teams in right. my opinion. If you're coming back home after a midweek match, you're basically a traveling team, especially on Saturday. So what did um, you say that scoreline was? It's 1-1 against Memphis at wow. the start of the second half. Because Tampa was on a four-game winning streak beating uh, Monterey Bay, Tulsa, Miami, and Hartford. Now, let's also be very clear. Those are Hartford not the, the tier. Hartford's yeah. team was heavily depleted by COVID. That's why I say they don't have momentum, at least offensively, because they should have dominated that game. In the last four matches, they've scored, what is that, six, ten goals in four matches? Like, I think that. Monterey Bay ain't that good. No, they're trash. Tulsa's not good. Miami is awful, and I can't wait for them to collapse. So, Um, truly, is it they've been dominating, or have they just had a good run of late against teams that are struggling? I they're mean, playing, maybe, but they're playing a playoff team right now with Memphis, right? And they're tied. But one you play the teams that are in front of you, right? Like, True. yeah, it sucks that Hartford um, had a, a COVID outbreak and they had several players out, right? And you should. You still got to play that, that game. You should dominate yeah, the, that game. The other team comes out there knowing I ain't got nothing to lose, so they play with their hair on fire. Very much like I think Lexington will come out tonight and play like. And Hartford gave them probably Hartford's best performance of the year. Uh, all disrespect meant by that. Um, so, like, it, it's not a, a matchup that inspires a, a lot of, I don't know, man, like a... I think Tampa is still doing what they have to do. Like I'm not overly concerned that yes, they Tampa's are coming into this struggle. They have to do. I'm not saying they're struggling. I don't think they have as much momentum as the paper would suggest. 
I don't think they are, they're having those wins, but I don't think they're like, I want, if I'm Lucidity, I'm not that scared. I'm, I'm treating them with as a legit opponent who's a better than us, but I'm not like, oh, they're rolling type thing. It's like, oh, we're having to stop like a steam engine. No. Type thing. You're stopping a quality side as had a good run of form type thing. I don't think they're like dominating if that makes sense. I I disagree, man. I think Tampa all year has been on a roll and this is the match that I have had circled on my calendar for the entire season. Just putting this in context, and this isn't the all end all be all stat. Y'all know I ain't that kind of guy, right? Total goals for Tampa Bay, 45. <coughs> Blue City, 31. Goal difference, Tampa Bay, plus 21. Blue City, zero. They have 10 more assists. Tampa does, then Lucid. Noko is the same way with Lex. Yeah, but if Lex know. has a negative goal differential. Okay, now you're, I think you're, you're making me regret my overly pick. critical. I think you're being a little overly critical. I, that's the thing. I'm still saying Tampa is a good quality side. Yeah. However, at this stage, I think they're not as they have this good run of form, but I think it's more of a more of a smokescreen of a dominant team versus a qu- good team right now, where Lucity can can win and could dominate Tampa. Could could. Yeah. Now, if you're looking at the head to head history of these two teams, right? Um, just looking at the last five here, Tampa won three in a row, the first three, but. Lou City has won the last two in a row. One of those, I believe, was the Eastern Conference Finals last year. Yeah, in November 2022. So Lou City has the you know competition advantage by winning two in a row the last two matchups. But I I just really think that Lou City is going to have to come out play with their hair on fire. I, I got to get a better analogy. That's the third time I've used that in the same, same podcast. But they got to come out playing great. Um, otherwise, Tampa's going to smoke them out. Like, I think... I don't think they're going to... I don't think they're going to smoke them out. I think Blue City, if they lose, it's going to be like five gold. Like two to one Tampa type thing. If they lose. I don't think Tampa's going to roll them. I, I think Coach Cruz has his guys heading in the right direction right now. Where I, I agree, I don't think that Tampa is going to roll up four zero over them or anything like that. Also, that would be a historic storyline uh, for Tampa to beat uh, Lou City in that way because you know Lou City has very rarely ever been beaten like a drum like that. Uh, so that would that would be catastrophic. But I I really think this has got. 2-2 draw written all over it. Somebody's going to get a, a late equalizer and just completely demoralize the other side. Uh, I hope that Loose City is up uh, late and can hold on. Uh, if Oliver can can keep the back line organized and can continue to make saves like he was doing at NOCO, or I'm sorry, not uh, NOCO, Colorado Springs, uh, I think he would be 
well uh, nominated for player of the week uh, or player of the month kind of a thing, uh, team of the month at least. But it's going to be a long-fought battle. I'm going to go 2-2 as the final. John, how are you thinking that one's going to turn out? Um, uh, I can say 2-2, but I think Moo can pull it our way. I'm thinking 2-1 Moo. 2-1 Lou. Well, okay. Now we can move on um, to our college ranks. Um, it has been a very busy week. Um, and we want to kind of start off by just kind of setting the stage for a couple of things, right? So first off, for our D1 schools, we do have two of them that are ranked. They did play last night. Uh, we have the University of Louisville, Which? who is ranked 7th. And then the University of Kentucky, who is ranked ninth, And those rankings are definitely going to change um, after Louisville's dominant performance over UK last night. I can easily see Louisville jumping up into the top three um, as opposed to, I mean, Kentucky's going to drop out. Yeah, Kentucky's definitely going to drop out. Um, which... It's weird. It they're struggling as right. They don't have an offense. They have like no attack. They're so defensively. Yes, they got too late in that matchup against Lou, but there's no offense. There's no attack. They yeah. barely beat Eastern Tennessee. Yep. They got they lost to Wisconsin by letting in a goal in the second minute. Yep. So they had eighty eight minutes. Yep. Then they could and they not couldn't get find another goal. They have been shut out. It's there's no offense, and I and don't get it. Those rankings, just so everyone is aware, that was from the United <coughs> Soccer Coaches um, poll. That's where we were getting those numbers from. Uh, but I think it's been a clear and obvious picture since the first matchup of the season that Louisville was going to win this game. Uh, they had a better performance um, in their opener and in their second matchup than UK has had all year. You know, Louisville is playing yes. harder opponents. They're showing their resilience. I really think this Louisville team is going to challenge Syracuse for the ACC title, and I, I think they're almost a lock if they keep playing this good, right? Almost a lock for the yeah, NCAA tournament. I want to see. I want to see how Lou does again in the ACC mm-hmm. because the ACC is very gotten good. And they um, even play. So we'll see. Piano. Could just be a hot start. Could yeah. just be a hot start. Kentucky. Um, I don't know which team it was. There was. I, it might have been Kentucky women's started last year, and they won like they dominated non-conference, and then just got steamrolled <laughs> by conference play. Like they didn't win yeah. at all. They had all but one win in their entire year was non-conference play. So. Well, and that's kind of what's happening on the, the women's side with WKU, right? Like they've had a not great start. So we're really hoping, you know, down here, fingers crossed, right, that we can transition over. And Coach Nadell and his team have traditionally done that. They've dominated conference play, but they have had a rough start to their season. But we'll get to those full notes here in a moment. Before we do that, though, John, you had mentioned earlier uh, some notes about the NAIA rankings. What were those? 
Uh, yes. So, like as you stated earlier, we do the United Soccer Coaches Poll. Um, we don't do – that's the only poll we follow. That's the one we do. They rank everyone down even to high school. Like St. Xavier and Louisville is ranked 12th nationally right now. They're Which the is Kentucky team. unfathomable. Like, good job. They were not that. ranked previously. Yeah. Um, uh, but there's other polls out there. I don't know if people noticed when Lou from Lou's Twitter account, they were saying Kentucky was fifth. Yeah. Even though on the video feed, it clearly said otherwise. It was 19th, which I don't, you can't put out a video that says Kentucky 19 and then say, we're up on fifth rank. Like that is just trying to like, Look, we're beating a team. We're upsetting. It's like, no, you're supposed to win by rankings. You're supposed to win that. Now, granted, going into that matchup, literally, that ranking was dropped the day of. So going It was dropped like matchup, a few hours before. Yeah. Going into that matchup, Lou was Lou was 13th. Yes. Lex was and UK was second. Mm-hmm. And then it changed because it gets dropped at like 4 p.m. Eastern. Like I think Tuesday. the teams were probably warming up or at least arriving at the stadium when they dropped. Yeah, but the NAIA dropped their official like first thing non preseason of the season today. Uh, with that, Lindsey Wilson has moved up to number fifth. Uh, they're number five in the country, and Cumberland, Cumberland, and Union College on the men's side. These are all men's sides. Uh, have are getting votes. Cumberland's right there. Union's a little behind, and on the women's, Cumberland moves up from fourth to second. In Number the two in the Campbell- nation. Yep, Campbellsville drops down from twentieth to twenty fourth, and Lindsey Wilson on the women's side also gets votes. Absolutely. So. Congratulations to those teams for being ranked right now. We're going to continue to follow it. Uh, and, John, just to kind of emphasize your point here before we move on, um, the University of Louisville did release another graphic yesterday. Um, don't have the timestamp. I think people were t- t- telling them, it was like, uh, hey, guys, your video says Kentucky's 19th. Your Twitter says they're 5th. What's up? Well, e- even and more like, confusing. Well, there's three rankings. Yeah, yeah, there's the three rankings that they released. The United Soccer's United Soccer which, coaches like go for it. Uh which like college football has that. There's the yep. AP, there's the coaches, there's these other stuff. But college football also follows one. Like this is right. the one. There's yes, there's these other ones and you can take some thing with like this is the one. There's the AP poll in college football and then when the playoff committee meets then the ap poll still ranks people the yep. ap poll still does Nobody even in the playoff <laughs> no one cares after that nope. so this is a thing where united from all i can see is the united soccer coaches is like the one that the ncaa follows like what they release is what the ncaa considers their top 25 or so teams yep. so that's who we follow and then there's also a college soccer news and another one called top drawer soccer it's strange, but so we are only top going to be drawer soccer hides their stuff behind the paywall. So nah, no. get out of here, top drawer. Uh, so then we we will only use the United Soccer coaches rankings for the D one, but for some of the other ones, we will kind of interweave. Well, uh, United what Soccer we have. coaches does it all. Oh, that's right, that's right. You did United, say that. 
We are only using United Soccer Coaches. Yep. So if you see a ranking somewhere else for a school, check what they are ranked in United Soccer Coaches when we report something because that is what we use. Right. Yeah. This and there's is the graphic. The, the graphic. I literally just had that pulled up. Um, so, John, then let's move over and let's kind of talk about um, some of the College Cup. The, as I, we talked about last week, uh, we at the Bluegrass Soccer Cast are going to be tracking some different stats and figures and stuff like that for the Commonwealth. Um, I'll kick us off by talking about our top five teams in the Commonwealth. And again, briefly going over what I talked about last week, it's a traditional point system, you know, three points for a win, one point for a draw, but you get bonus points if you beat other in-state teams. So if you have an in-state win, you get six total points. If you have an in-state draw, you get two points. You get one for the, the draw, and then you get the one for the bonus point draw. So with all of that in mind, your new top five for this week, according to the Bluegrass Soccer Cast, number one, University of Kentucky women's team with 19 points. Number two, Campbellsville men jumping all the way up to number two, with 18 points. Another big jumper, Georgetown women jumping up to number tied number two uh, with 18 points. Uh, and then we have three teams tied at fourth. We have the University of Louisville men's, who this doesn't include the victory last night. That would be included in next week's rankings. Uh, they currently sit tied at fourth with 12 points. University of Cumberland Women's also with 12 points. And Union College, welcome to the top five. Your men's team sits with 10, uh, 12 points. Um, and Bellarmine Women, you are literally one point out um, from making this list. So we will continue to track that every week, and we'll get that updated for you all. Working on a graphic <coughs> as well so we can get that out there Um but we are we're doing what we can to track and support all college soccer here in our beautiful Commonwealth. And John, you've been doing that for the Golden Glove in the Golden Boot. Yes. So um, the Golden Boot and tracking this is pretty straightforward. Who have scored who scores the most goals? Uh, we're using assists as tiebreakers. So if some Somehow someone at the end of the year is tied on goals, assists play into that factor, then I'm not doing an assist leader because <laughs> college does hockey assists. Yeah. And so it's kind of hard. To, to, and that also requires sometimes the that's more to the stat keeper of who decides that. It's a lot like because of the hockey assist thing. So it's a little wishy-washy on that. And then Golden Glove... We're doing saves, just straight the number of saves you make because college soccer is really weird. Uh, you can have a really good keeper that doesn't really – that could still get scored on a bunch because they have no defense in front of them. So um, shutouts will is the tiebreaker for the saves, but shutouts aren't like what we're doing. We're not doing saves per 90 or whatever that type of thing is. And for the Golden Glove – I am doing the keeper one keeper per school. So it is the keeper who has the most saves for that school 
if they're doing a platoon system and all of a sudden another keeper like starts making a bunch of saves, I might add them in, but it's hard. And there's also some schools I don't have any data on. Uh, Alice Lloyd, uh, just a call out to anyone. You, I have messaged both your athletic department and SDI have heard nothing from them. Their stats are, they don't even have like up to date schedule on their website yet they've been playing we know they play but they don't have enough they don't have a schedule on their website boys college is pretty good with their schedule but they don't release box scores um i can only find a box score for one of their games out of the three they've played so i don't have that accurate of stats for them uh kentucky christian doesn't release proper stats for one of their teams Union doesn't release stats for their women's teams like mm. on a sheet as stats. You can still get them through box scores. Um, so there's some that are a little like shaky and also like D2 and D3 haven't played that many games. NAIA has played like almost eight games. Yeah. So some of this stuff is kind of everywhere, but towards the end, it will kind of shake out. And this is only regular season. So the golden boot top five is Felix Babin, Boben, I can say this, of Campbellsville men. He has seven goals and two assists on the season. Oh and God. then uh, Jordan Rhodes of UK women, who has six goals, zero assists on the season. Carson Smith of Georgetown women has five goals, three assists on the year. Uh, Sebastian Tregethith, Craig Karras, I don't know how to pronounce this. Of Lindsay Will, yeah, of Lindsay Wilson, men has five goals, zero assists on the year. Or sorry, no, he is he is fifth because Angeline Key of Cam- Campbellsville uh, University women has five goals, one assist on the year. So Sebastian is mm-hmm. fifth because he only he doesn't have an assist. Uh, but there's multiple. There's one, two, three, five. There's five people with four goals on the year. Uh, there's a bunch with threes, so there's plenty of people in it. Felix has just feasted on people. Seven goals. How many matches? Uh, I want to say six. Wow, almost Road, one a, Road, over one a game. Yeah, I think he has a hat trick or four, four goal one in there. Uh, Rhodes wow. has scored six, has scored in six straight or five straight matches. She's only scored two and one against Murray, so it's a little. Like picking on some of these weaker teams. Golden Glove is hey, a don't more... call my racers a weaker team. I'll come up fighting. You lost to the one in the UK. You're a weaker than my UK. Gla- it was a great game. Did you watch it? Was, it? It, was it was very a great competitive. Game, they're on by record. Okay. They are weaker by the by your little cup standings. Speaking of Lexington being weaker, one zero hailstorm. Yes, off of another cross. But that was like perfect one-touch type cross thing. Knight could have... It was a weird angle. Um, Anyways, uh, Golden Glove is actually currently... The top five are all women. Let's go. Uh, The future is women. Ashby Greenwell of Berisha. I believe I'm saying that well. Brescia. Uh, Brescia. 
has 37 saves in three games. Uh, she is allowed like eight goals, though. So I'm not like she has this is the example of no defense in front of you. She has 37 saves in three matches. It's just insane. And then Michaela Kowalski of NKU has 30. Uh, Tiara Estanto of Union Women has 27. Oh, Michaela also has three shutouts. Uh, Maddie Davis of WKU has 22 saves with three shutouts. And then Gabby Durison of Lindsey Wilson has also 22 saves, but she only has one shutout. Uh, Ern Gibbs of Moorhead's right behind them in six at, with 21 saves and one shutout. The wow. first the man actually have somebody. Men, the first, yep, the first men player doesn't appear until Christian Allister of Kentucky Christian with 19 at seventh. Hmm. But so, yeah, there is almost a 20 point, 20 saves difference. Like uh, Greenwell has seven save. Has seven more saves in second place. Jeez, what a monster a three, in the pipe! That's three games. Yeah, three games. What and a... like, there's Ooh. some others like uh, so with some of these weird exhibition matches for one school versus an official match. Like Kayla Simmons of Berea had like 15 saves in the blowout loss to Georgetown, but that was that's not an official match for Berea. So I am going off of stats reported by the school. So whatever the school says is the official stat that we report, that is who yeah. they're doing. I'm not going like, well, in this case, Kyla Simmons. Well, she got 12 saves, and what well, was an exhibition match for her, but an official match for Georgetown. Like, no. Whatever is considered it, we report to it. the school is what we'll do. And that's why I can't track Alice Lloyd or Boyce College, because they don't produce their stats officially. Because your websites it, if, are trash. If it's in a box score where I can get it, and it and not, neither side is labeled as exhibition, I will consider both sides as official. Like uh, Boyce has some guy, a kid named like Sir something St. Louis. He has three goals on the year, and he mm-hmm. got those three against Mount St. Joseph. But that's all I know. That's the only game out of there, like three or four. And yes, I will. I want to point out obvious. Yes, our score report technically is not up to date because yes. <laughs> it came out after Labor Day or the and then the teams played on Labor Day, but our thing is strictly by week. So yeah. while while we may release it in the middle of the week, that's more to just kind of break up the articles and stuff. Absolutely. So, John, then speaking of articles, let's just kind of walk people through our article that we had wrote and talk about um, how teams have been doing over the last uh, week or so. Again, you know, we're going to give you some overviews, you know, kind of dive in a little bit, but not too much uh, because there's a lot to get in with just the D1 schools. Um, I'll kick us off here talking about Bellarmine. Um, their men's team, uh, again, at least as of Monday morning when this article was submitted, uh, was zero wins, one loss, two draws. Is that the format we're using? I do win, draw, loss. Oh, no, then. Because <laughs> I do the opposite. I do. I flip that. Oh, no. Um, I do traditionally. 
and I even put that in the little comments. Record is presented in win. Oh no, someone corrected it. Win loss draw. Okay, I put win. I need mine are wrong then, but I can fix that as I say it. So we're just going to talk about the results. We'll get, it's a work in progress. You all know what you know. Some days we drive the struggle bus. Sometimes we ride the success the bus. Schools. For those who look up the stats, the schools do win loss draw. Yeah. Traditional soccer is win draw loss. Right. So Bellerman, um, last Monday they had a three to zero defeat to Louisville in what we are calling the Derby City Derby. Uh, I don't remember. John, was that you that came up with that, or was that someone else? Uh, someone on Twitter mentioned That's right. it. Like, but he mentioned it on like five with five or six. Um suggestions as well and we just went with that one yeah i just love that the so not a great performance by bellerman but at least on the scoreboard but really it was a lot closer than that um bellerman had a lot of chances that they just couldn't quite convert again that louisville men's team is legit um clearly based on the result over uk um on labor day um it again it it wasn't as terrible as the scoreline might suggest um the head coach at bellerman um tim uh yep not gonna try your last name sorry tim uh he said he was proud of how uh his team competed in the second half and created some opportunities against a quality opponent um so you know from the coaching staff's perspective they were quite pleased with it um and then they moved on to a matchup last Friday, which was a 2-2 draw uh, for, against Purdue-Fort Wayne, formerly Indiana University, Purdue University, Fort Wayne. The Mastodons, now just Purdue-Fort Wayne. Uh, and this was a really good showing by Bellerman to come out and get the draw. They showed a lot of heart, a lot of grit to fight back and get that dramatic 2-2 draw on the road. Um, so overall, the record may not be what they want in Bellerman's case, um, but they have shown a lot of heart and a lot of grit to get to where they are. Um, and they they had great opportunities against the Mastodons, um, and they, they converted to, to get the draw. So... Not the best week last week, but it could have been a lot worse for them. Now, moving over to the Bellman women's side, who are on a bit of a burner themselves. Uh, they took on the University of Evansville, uh, where they beat them 2-0 to zero, uh, last week. Um, a pretty good performance by the, the Bellman women. You know, Again, they're a team that's still transitioning from um, D2 up to Division One. But you wouldn't know it based on how they're playing this year. Um, they had a very dominant performance in that victory over Evansville. And then they had another really good performance um, over the weekend against Chicago State. Um, uh, the player for Bellerman, Lauren Bingham, um, had a brace in that game, uh, scoring both the goals for them. And they had to hold on to it, but they were able to secure the victory over Chicago State 2-1. to one. Uh, John, let's jump over to Eastern Kentucky. Uh, EKU is 1-3-1 one, one if we're doing win-loss. 
uh, draw, but they got they fell uh, last Thursday to DePaul, uh, which DePaul is team. Uh, their name is the Gibbs, which stands for like devilish. Let me double check. It's a really stupid name. So it's D I B S. So Demon in in a blue suit is DePaul's nickname, but they call themselves the Dibs, D-I-B-S, Demon in a Blue Suit. Did they change that? Because it used to be like the Demon Deacons or something like that. No, the Demon Deacons are another school. Oh, was that Wake Forest? Duke? I yes, don't know. Wake Forest was the Demon Deacons, and now they're just the Deacons because uh-huh. they dropped Demon. Yeah, that probably makes um, more sense. <laughs> uh, they lost to that. Uh, Fred, uh, Ru- Ruby Dunleavy got her second goal of the season to open up scoring, but they sadly uh, uh, DePaul got a comeback. Um, Their coach has spoken on this before. Uh, He purposely chose a rough non-conference to prep them for the A-Sun. But they did beat, get their first win on Sunday afternoon against Eastern Michigan. Uh, two to one, a late comeback with some really good goals in that match. <clears throat> to finally get their first win, uh, uh, they fell back. They fell behind one zero, but but this it could have been a lot worse. Uh, Melanie McCowan got her first start. She made not six of her nine saves in the first half alone. Um, also. I forgot to mention this with the Paul Greta Gunn got an assist in both these two games. She is now the Colonel's all-time leader in assist. Um, wow. History being goal. made right here. Yep. Kyla Fitzgerald picked up the equalizer on a weird, like, bounces off of her hip goal in front of the net. And then uh, Peyton Payne had, like, an insane goal to uh, – for her first ever in college to lift the Colonels to their first ever win of the season. And they will take on NKU in a very in-state clash tomorrow at four. So that will definitely be a matchup to watch. John, let's keep your momentum rolling. Let's talk about UK. Uh, So obviously we've talked about the uh, loss. Uh, So Kentucky is two. uh, They're, 2-2-0 Two two and zero right now. If you count the Louisville loss in there, uh, their wins were against Florida Gulf Coast, and they squeaked over uh, Charlie Mitchell's uh, alma mater, Eastern Tennessee State, with a very late winner in they, the they like eighty. Lucky to win it. Yeah, eighty seventh minute. But then they fell on the road to Wisconsin. We talked about. I talked about this. They just have no offense right now, and they obviously lost to Louisville. Um, and then they'll play Limps to come on, fr- the, on Friday at home at 7.30. And, and then the women are actually... on Lipscomb, man. Lipscomb's got a great program. Uh, Lipscomb's actually they really good. They have a guy, Friday. Will Bryan. He played for the Bowling Green Golden Lions this past season. The Red Dragon. I'm telling you now, if he is on form, he will put a goal in on UK. We will see. Um, the women, however, are rolling. They have not lost a game. They've got a five-match unbeaten run. Um, 
The, the their only non-win was a draw against Valparaiso, Valparaiso last week, which Valparaiso. we talked about. They Parazo, that's what it is. Uh, UK dominated UT Martin uh, last Thursday, 4-0, just rolling through them. Uh, and then they, for Senior Day, which very weird to have Senior Day so early. Yeah, that was odd. Typically, it's the last home game. Well, I know some coaches will pick Senior Day to be like a game that they will for sure win or they should win. Right. In to be like a positive note type day, but it was just kind of early. Um, but one uh, 0 win in that obvious person who scored was Jordan Rose, who's now just two goals behind Kim LaBelle's forty four for the all time uh, in UK women's history. Uh, so and they have two matches this week. They play Belmont tomorrow at seven thirty, and then they will go out to Iowa State on Sunday and play at two p.m. Eastern. And I truly hope they beat the brakes off those Cyclones. Go Hawks. Um, we'll shift now. Speaking of teams that are blowing people out and undefeated, let's talk about the Louisville men's team. Um, last week, uh, they had a 3-0 victory over Bellarmine. We talked about it on the Bellarmine side. Now talking about it from the Louisville side um, as they were victorious in the Derby City Derby. Um, they outshot, um, uh, where's it at? There it is. They outshot Bellarmine 17 to five, um, with eight shots on target compared to only one, um, for Bellarmine. So it was an offensive barrage from Louisville. Um, Gage Guerrero, Guerrero, uh, was the first goal scorer for them. Um, road added one and so did Quentin Elliott. Um, so good for them to go up 3-0 and to hang on for the victory. Uh, they then headed off to UNC uh, Greensboro. Why does that not feel right? Is that that's who they played, right? Yeah, yeah, UNC Greensboro, um, where the Cardinals uh, continued their unbeaten streak with a 2-0 victory. Um, it was a really good, another really good performance, uh, very similar to how UK went and played, um, UTC. Um, it was a similar kind of matchup. Um, you know, UNC Greensboro, usually a pretty good program. All those North Carolina schools are usually pretty good. Um, but it was great to see, um, Louisville get another victory on there. Uh, this victory marked the first time the Cardinals have kicked off the season with three consecutive clean sheets since 2009. Now, we know that that has continued to balloon to four after what happened um, against UK. Uh, that wasn't a clean sheet. Oh, no, it wasn't, was it? So it, it stopped there. Uh, uh, again, Gage uh, was the one who scored the first goal, um, getting them up to that 1-0. <coughs> And the team really hung on um, pretty much after that and just prepared for that big matchup against UK, which we will talk about on next week's show. Uh, the women, however, uh, are quite the antithesis of the men's team as they have not been playing nearly as well. Um, last week, they had a 2-1 to loss to Illinois, uh, falling at home to Illinois uh, in just really not playing well 
Um, there was not any stat category that they were better than the Illini in that game. Yes, they you know they got the first goal, um, but wound up losing two to one in that one. Now they did play a lot better uh, against Eastern Michigan with a three zero victory, um, but this was kind of a matchup just to see if the Cardinals had any kind of a pulse, and they do. Um, so it was good to see them come back to life a little bit uh, and get that victory from there. Uh, John, let's head out to Moorhead and talk about the Eagles. You had already kind of mentioned they've got a pretty good keeper out there. Uh, yes, yeah, so Moorhead has... Uh, Sorry. Uh, they have a decent keeper in Arn Gibbs, who's really the, been the only shining star so far as they are 1-3-1. and one. Um, They get their first shutout of the year in a draw, draw against Wright State, but that is the second straight match without a goal for them. Um, then they did get a goal against Austin Pay. Pay, P. P. Flush um, that P. Flush that P. On on Sunday, but they lost 2-1 to Austin P. Um, it's just been rough of late. Uh, Hida Ogrenberg did get her second goal of the season in that matchup, and they will have two interstate matchups this week against Bellerman and then on Thursday and then against NKU on Sunday. And, hey, you know, if they can win both of those – that's six total points. No, I'm sorry. That'd be twelve points in the uh, uh, what? What are we calling it again? Uh, the BGSC College Cup. Like that could be a big jump up. So if they're in the top five next week, you know they had some two victories. Uh, we'll move all the way across the state and talk about my Murray State Racers. Uh, who did not start the week out um, at all on a good note. Uh, they had a 1-0 defeat uh, to Lindenwood, who is a relatively new Division I program. Uh, they play in the Ohio Valley Conference, where Murray State was dominant for generations. Um, and in the 83rd minute, uh, Lindenwood and Murray seemed to be <coughs> heading towards a draw, uh, but Lindenwood was able to net home a goal. Um, dropping the racers um, to one, four, and O oh, at that time. They then moved on to the weekend where they played their former Ohio Valley rivals, UT Martin, and the racers got their first road victory uh, of the season. Uh, this one was two to one over UT Martin. Uh, the victory comes in the stretch of three of four road games in a row. Uh, they will now head to the daunting task of taking on Oklahoma down in Norman, Oklahoma this week. And I hope that Coach Lodge and the rest of the team make it back in one piece. John, what about Northern? Uh, <laughs> uh, the men... Uh, Got their first air draw city as they just uh, they have had two straight draws and they drawed Bellerman on Monday. Um, they 
did not play any matches last week. They will, as we stated, they faced, they drew with Bellerman last, or on Monday night. Um, and, but they will host Robert Morris on Saturday uh, at home uh, at 7 p.m. The women are also a little shaky. They are one. Uh, they have only lost one match, but they've tied a lot. They're one, one, and three. They went up to Ohio and tied them. They've had three straight shutouts of senior Michaela Kowalski playing out of her mind. Uh, she made 12 saves in the uh, uh, in the draw against Ohio. And then that was their only match of the week. They will have, as we've said before, they are playing two interstate teams. They play EKU Thursday and Moorhead Sunday. And for the audio listeners, John's frick was to um, Hailstorm 2, Lexington 0. Not going how I thought that would go at all. We've been down two before. It's fine. Absolutely. Speaking of being down, um, I'm trying not to be too harsh um, with the WKU Lady Hilltopper soccer team um, as they currently have a putrid record of one one win, one draw, and four losses. they had a very disappointing uh, nil-nil draw with Northern Alabama. Um, not a whole lot to say. Uh, Maddie, um, the goalkeeper, she's pretty good, but the toppers have to find an offense. Uh, I was incorrect when I said they are one win, four draws, one loss. My apologies to the toppers. Um, Maddie Davis was the reason that the toppers – um, had that draw against North Alabama, um, getting her second shutout of the season, making six total saves in that game. Um, but overall, it, it was not a great performance by the Toppers, and they didn't look much better over the past weekend when they played Belmont, another nil-nil draw. So again, congratulations to Maddie Davis for keeping another clean sheet, but the Lady Toppers can't buy offense at this point, and Things are, are, are getting a little tight um, around the, the topper program. Uh, they have two more uh, matchups before heading into conference play. And conference play is traditionally where uh, Coach Nadell and the team have picked up uh, multiple wins and been able to start making a run. But they need some, some victories starting this week uh, when they head to the University of Evansville. And then they stay in Indiana on Sunday as they play Purdue, which would be a great time to get an upset victory over a Big Ten program. However, I am not as hopeful for that. But, John, with that, that will take us to the end of our show for today. I want to thank you all for sticking around and watching. Uh, as always, if you enjoy the content uh, on our show, we have a Buy Me Coffee account. It's right up there. It's a QR code. Um, we can also put it on the screen here. If you would like to support the show, we greatly appreciate any and all the folks who have donated and have contributed. Uh, we're always going to keep the show for free, but any kind of donation is always very much appreciated. And with all of that out of the way, John, I want to say thank you to, to you for joining me on another show. Make sure that you check us out on all of our social media handles like Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, or X, whatever we're supposed to call it now. 
at BG SoccerCast. As well as make sure you're giving this podcast a listen on all of your favorite podcasting platforms, Spotify, Google, Apple, YouTube, and so many others. When you're there, please make sure you rate, like, subscribe, share, follow, do all that, that fun stuff. That's John. I'm Jimmy, and we will see you on the next one.